Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of The Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am Bernard Beitman, a psychiatrist who does psychotherapy. I study meaningful coincidences like synchronicity and serendipity because many of them are very useful and their possible explanations provide us clues to how reality works. They also help us in our lives develop our own sense of self and soul and psychologically. You can order my new book, Meaningful Coincidences, uh, in, in the text below for those of you who are watching this on YouTube. And my story today is entitled, Restaurant Times Two. Nicole Froelich is a spiritual psychological teacher who lives in Denver, Colorado, and has been a guest on my podcast. She accepted my invitation to dinner when I was visiting my sons in Denver uh, a couple of weeks ago. See, she suggested that we meet at a restaurant called Ashkara on Sunday of the weekend I was visiting. After I had settled in with my sons and we got to talking what we were going to do on Saturday, we have dinner with them and a friend of one of them. Uh, he said, we're going to have dinner at the Ashkar restaurant. Well, so there's only one restaurant in Denver. I, it's kind of a big place. So what's the meaning of having the same restaurant two days in a row independently decided upon by two different people who I know who don't know each other? Well, maybe there's a lot of reasons. They had a wide variety of good stuff, but, but, but I don't know. Uh, but it happened. Uh, the, the practical part of that was I was familiar with the restaurant. I got to be pals with the bartender and welcomed me back the second day and some of the staff. And they say, oh, aren't you a regular here? I'd only been there twice and had a great time just talking with them. And then I knew how the menu worked and I had a great time both times. So you never know how these things happen. But that was one that was a very nice coincidence of just regular everyday life. And there it was. Our, our guest today is Marissa Levin, who is a five times three 30-year-old 30 30-year 30 entrepreneur, speaker, bestseller, best-selling author, and globally recognized growth and spiritual strategist. She recently sold her fourth company to build her legacy program, her legacy company, Marissa International, MI for short. Uh, MI works with those who are ready to do the hard work of facing and dismantling self-limiting beliefs, consciousness, conscious and unconscious barriers to progress and patterns, stories and conditions that drive fear, hesitation and stagnation when moving forward. It's a lot like what I do as a psychotherapist. And the key part of what Marissa is saying is you got to want to change. And the big problem out in the world now is a lot of people don't want to change. So maybe we'll talk about how you get people to want to change. 
And this is the work of our lifetime and is the gateway to creating our healthiest lives, cultivating our most fulfilling relationships and building our most successful organizations. Through Marissa International, Marissa will fulfill her lifetime legacy mission. Lifetime legacy mission, ladies and gentlemen, to empower 1 billion people to lead their most joyful lives. That's, that's quite a mission out there. And I'm very glad to be talking with somebody who has, to me, such a, a big global vision of what she is up to. Welcome to the show, Marissa. Thank you. It's so good to be here. So as we uh, usually do, Marissa, please tell us not, not just one, but two coincidence stories, because we've talked about two of them that you might be able to tell us. Sure. So there's uh, quite a few. Um, the, the first one that I actually just um, realized in the last week or so is, uh, as I was sharing with you, Bernie, I, um, I'm a sea soul, and I actually have a necklace on that says sea soul. S-E-A. Mm-hmm. I, and I and the fact that I even found this necklace at my favorite place for Hobbit Beach this summer, I was so excited to actually find this in one of my favorite stores. I just was born to be in the ocean, near the ocean. It's where I feel most connected to nature and to Gaia. And so I was so excited to actually find that, that necklace. Well, what I learned this week uh, from actually my Kundalini yoga teacher uh, who Googled my name, I did not even know that my name Marissa means of the sea. Like I had no idea. So I just think that that is the universe, you know, bringing things into harmony. Uh, clearly, um, I was meant to be named for the ocean. Uh, it's where I am happiest. Uh, and then to be able to find this necklace just for me, that was a huge coincidence. So that's the first coincidence. Um, do you want me to just go straight into the second coincidence or do you want to talk about that first? Uh, yes, we'll talk about it a little bit because uh, we each have responsibility in creating coincidences to lesser and greater degrees. Sure. What role did you, Marissa, play in getting that necklace? Uh, I was shopping um, with my sons in our favorite beach town and as soon as I saw it, it just resonated with me. You know, there was only one of them. It was the only one that they got in. And uh, I was just like, Cecil, that is me. That's me embodied completely. And I just, I, I took it. And I'm not someone who typically buys things for myself, but I knew that if I would have walked out without that necklace, I would have regretted it. And I just, I, you know, I love wearing it. And then when I learned this week that my name actually means of the sea, I was like, well, that completely makes sense. So it just feels good to just have it with me all the time near my heart. The coincidence is that you walked into the store when they had uh, the sea necklace there. Yeah, yeah. That, you walked in, it was there. And it was your favorite. You like to go to Rehoboth Beach. I went there for my, for my senior class trip after the after our uh, high school last high school dance and that was a long time ago and it was not as built up as it is now so i know a little bit about what you're talking about and so the two 
you walk into the store when they have this only one time there. And it feels like it's meant to be like the universe is doing something. Right. I add um, something I call the, that in my book uh, on coincidences, uh, human GPS, that we get where we need to be without knowing how we got there. And the timing of walking into the store and then looking around and seeing this was part of of something that I would suggest, and only I'm suggesting this is an opinion, as we talked about earlier, where I thought maybe you had something to do with this because you were looking without knowing it for something that could confirm something that you weren't consciously wanting to confirm. But there it was. So I, a, to me, it's partly your subconscious intuition in operation. Well, and in that moment, my instinct was you need to buy this necklace. And so I also think the lesson here is when we hear that inner voice, we listen to it. And it wasn't just that it was an impulsive spend. When I saw it, I said, that's something that is meant to be mine. That and is that is so it's listening to that voice. That is so important, Marissa. That is yeah. so important. And that brings me, um, I know I'm going to share a larger coincidence story, but that brings me to a second uh, story that's very similar. I was in Annapolis, Maryland, again, near the water <laughs> um, this past spring. And I walked past one of my favorite galleries on West Street. And there was, a, there was a, an original painting that was in the window and it was very unique to the type of art that they typically carry. And it was a it was a beautiful painting of a woman who was in a um, meditation pose. She was kind of like a bodhisattva. And as you may, I think I mentioned to you, I've been practicing and studying Buddhism for 25 years. So I'm very drawn to art uh, that is of a spiritual nature. And when I saw this picture, it was the most beautiful woman and she it had colors of blues which are related to the third eye chakra and the th throat chakra which are two of the chakras that I really resonate with and it was a woman in the most beautiful field of uh, flowers and and a meadow and she just had such a beautiful calm about her and the same thing happened to me that I literally was just stopped in my tracks and this, it was a one single piece of art. It was an original, it wasn't, you know, um, something where there were multiple prints or iterations. And I just was stopped in my tracks and I felt like I had to have that piece of art. And so I did, when I went in and I bought it because it just spoke to me, to my soul and to my heart and um, to be in that moment and in that place and to be able to have this piece of art and how happy I was when I went in and I learned that they were donating 35% of their proceeds to the Ukrainian relief effort. So that was a wonderful thing, but it just spoke to me. And so again, being aware of what is around us, trying to connect with the elements that are around us that really touch our soul and really connect with our spirit. When we are intentional that way, when we move through the world, that's when the most magical synchronicities happen. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, it's it's so important for for me to have you say this openness and awareness 
uh, what's around us. Yeah. In, bo in both instances, the necklace and the painting, they're mirrors of your mind. They they are, they are. And 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 then one other thing is um, you know, my company through Marissa International, I've created a six-fold journey to joy. It's a recipe for joy. Uh, and everybody has a different recipe, but the six components are path, purpose, power, potential, people, and play. And my logo for my journey, my six-fold journey to joy is a lotus. And I am um, very connected to the lotus. I'm very drawn to the lotus. As you know, it means rebirth, reinvention, growing through the mud, uh, transformation. And it's just something, It's it, it's just a piece of nature that truly connects with my spirit and my soul. And so once I created this logo and it's this beautiful pink logo that I have my designer do, after I did that, I found two beautiful pieces of jewelry in different crystal uh, and spiritual mystical stop shops that I um, go to, one near my house and one in Rehoboth. I found two beautiful bracelets that both have lotuses on them after I had created this Lotus logo. And so of course I bought them again, it's being aligned to what the universe is delivering to us. That is in alignment with our spirit and our soul. I imagine finding each of those in two different places uh, also confirmed that you were on the right path. Absolutely. And I've got them on. Yep. I never take them off. Does your uh, logo Lotus have uh, six petals on it? It does. What a surprise. I know. And would you, would you please more slowly go through the five P's that are on the, or the six P's that are on the petals? Sure. It's path. It's past. Path, like path. The, spir the spiritual path. Everybody's on the path. Mm -hmm. Purpose, power, potential, people, and play. There's a, of course, there's a lot in each one of those. Um, yes. And the, the, the play, I play on the learning entertainment interface. That's where I like to go. I like to learn while playing or play while learning. It's just, uh, just, it's just fun. Both, both sides of that are, are just fun, but I want to, I want to focus on, on purpose and we may sure. get to your longer story. It may not, but I I'm of the opinion that, um, Synchronicity uh, is one way that we can help ourselves uh, find purpose. What do you think of that? Synchronicity is a way to help us find our purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that synchronicity happens when we are in alignment with our purpose. I'm not sure if one comes before the other, whether purpose comes before synchronicity or synchronicity comes before purpose. It might be that they're interchangeable at all times. I think finding your purpose is a really difficult thing to do. Um, Mark Twain said the two most important days of our life are the day that we're born and the day that we discover why. And I think that discovering that why, you have to go through a lot of trial and error to really get to that. I mean, some people discover it in their childhood and they start in on a journey and you know that's what they follow for you know, their whole life. But I think for most of us, we have to go through a lot of trial and error. Uh, and we have to be able to be in a place in our life where we can pause and 
where we can really reflect and um, and unlearn what we have learned and get back to remembering who we are. And I think that the pandemic, you know, really kind of gave a lot of people the opportunity to pause and to stop because the entire world went on pause. And it was in those moments of reflection uh, where we weren't on autopilot, where we could just kind of stop and say, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? What really matters to me? Is this really working for me? And it gave us room to make shifts. So that's kind of, you know, I think why the world is in such a place right now of transformation and transition and, and evolution of higher consciousness, because never before has the entire world ever been in a place completely across the globe where we all just stopped at one time. So it gave us the opportunity and some people got depressed uh, and some people took it as an opportunity to, to reflect on the questions that you're asking. Mm -hmm. And how does one know when one has found his or her purpose in life? That's a great question. So for me, you know, I'm very connected and aligned with my spirit, that voice inside of me. In fact, I've named my spirit. I named her many years ago and it was joy. And that's a whole nother coincidence, right? Because I didn't know when I named her Joy years and years ago that I was actually going to be creating a company around uh, teaching people how to live their most joyful lives. But I I uh, named her, so I personified her. And as we talked about with like my first stories that I shared, I listened to my inner voice very closely. Uh, I, I think that our inner voice is the voice that we need to listen to most. Um, and it's the noise outside of us that often silences that voice. So for me, knowing when when joy, when my inner voice, my spirit um, is not settled, she lets me know. And that message comes through my body. Uh, it comes through, and this happens to everybody, but they may not know it. But it, it comes through in the force in the uh, in the form of stress of anxiety, of disrupted sleep, of um, negative thoughts, of not eating well, of you know feeling disconnected to others. All of those physical symptoms that manifest in our body are messages from our inner knowing or our higher self that something is not aligned with what we're supposed to be doing. So I pay really, really close attention to that voice. And when things start to not feel good in my body, I really listen. I pay attention. And that means disease as well. Of course it does. Disease is dis-ease. That's what disease is. When we don't have that ease within our bodies, that results in dis-ease and disease. And we need to be able to pay attention to what that dis-ease is trying to tell us. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we don't pay attention to it because it contradicts what other people expect of us. It contradicts the obligations that we've made to others. It contradicts what we've learned, right? What society imposes on us as good or bad, right or wrong, success or failure, and when we can really understand that all of that noise is just a story 
that it's not really related to who we are and our seat of consciousness, that's when we're able to fully relax into listening to that inner voice and being comfortable with who we are and how we're showing up. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Uh, you are such a rebel in such a nice way. Uh, you. <laughs> you're welcome it's such a gentle way of saying break those old ways of thinking ladies and gentlemen stop yeah. that no you're you're saying no as i would i think so important to say it's got to come from inside of us we got to listen to what's our bodies our intuition our voices inside are telling us there's a there's a little bit of a a trick here, and I call it a trick or a learning curve, is to learn which messages to pay attention to, because sometimes sure. you can be deceived. Could you talk about that a little bit? Well, again, it gets back to what we've been told, right? So, and I had this, I, I actually had this experience many, many years ago. I remember actually sitting on the beach and I don't know what triggered it. It may have been a book I was listening to or a podcast but I, in that moment, I was like, what is it that I've been taught? And what is it that I believe? And, and, it, and it started the unraveling of my belief systems. Wow. And that's an important, that's a, that's a Satori kind of beginning of uh, something. Be sitting on the beach near your favorite place to be, mm -hmm. or in your favorite place to be. And somehow in a very quiet but strong way, what am I being taught? But what do I believe? That's a wonderful aha moment in a very gentle way that you describe it. It is, but it's also scary, you know, because I mean, it, you know, I was, I'm 55. And so it happened many, many years ago. Um, but, you know, I'd still been in the world for a long time. And, you know, my, just my social structures, my communities, the way I raise my children, the decisions I made in my life, all of those things are based on belief systems. So when you start to question your own belief systems, you're really questioning every pillar that you've built your life on. And that can be a really frightening place to be. But the thing is, Bernie, once you hit that place, you can't go backwards. Once you really start to question what is it that I believe in my soul versus what I've been taught to believe? Once you begin that introspection, you, you, you can't undo it. You can't undo it because you start to question what everything looks like and how everyone shows up and what your own internal motivations are. And, um, and it can be frightening, you know, and it's not something you can just talk about with the people in your life because they'll look at you like you're crazy. So it's, you have to go, that's part of the path that I talked about. That's the journey. And um, the whole thing about getting on the spiritual path. And I mean, you know, I've been on the path since I was born. I was born this way. I've always felt a little out of place. My mom used to tell me that uh, I wore my heart on my sleeve. As you mentioned, when we were talking, I'm a total empath. Like it's a really hard way to go through the world sometimes. And it's something that I've had to learn to master um, so that I'm not just absorbed by every feeling around me. But she also said to me, you see inside of people. And it's just something that I've gone through the world as like seeing people's souls and seeing their spirits, you know, in human form. And, um, 
you know, as I've, as I've traveled this spiritual path and, and you and I have talked about this, you know, I believe that in every moment that we're going through as a human being, as we human, I like to use the word human as a verb, right? Sometimes we human well, and sometimes we human not so well. We're all, you know, we're all guilty of that. Um, but as we go through our human experiences in every moment, it's all a soul's evolution. That's the purpose of every single thing that we go through in every moment is literally to expand and evolve our soul. So that's happening with you and me right now. Totally. And me being on this podcast. So let's talk about how I even got here because that's a whole nother synchronicity. That's a whole nother coincidence. I was brought to you by Yannick, Yannick Silver, um, who by the way, is my soul brother. We have the same birthday. I mean, we, you know, like we are truly soul brother and sister. There's no question that we have, that this art is not our first rodeo together in this lifetime, in this lifetime, we are tied. Our souls are tied. And the fact that he brought us together and that's how I met you. And now you and I are having this conversation. All of that was predestined. It was just, it all is unfolding exactly, exactly as it's supposed to. And with my personal lifetime legacy mission of wanting to empower 1 billion people to live their most joyful lives, you are one of my catalysts to help that happen because all of your listeners and all of your readers and your whole entire community and network are going to hear this message. And in some way, Bernie, that's helping to fulfill my purpose of reaching the billion people. And that's what I was saying, like, I'll never be able to measure it. But if I move through my life with that intention to manifest impact on 1 billion people, it's the intention that matters. It's not the end result. Yeah. 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 It's the intention that matters. Uh, my, my thing, and I came up to it a, a different way from you, is that it didn't get too many ideas stuck into my head. Uh, my parents didn't talk to me that much. They're from Germany and uh, spoke German with each other when I was growing up. So I was wandering around in the world in a safe environment, but not being told much except be home mm -hmm. on time and be careful. And, sure. and here, here's what we're eating tonight and more. But it, that's a basic thing. So I got to like look around and wonder about what's going on around here because I didn't know. And I, I ran into early on in my life, uh, my dog got lost, I got lost, and we found each other. And I was so happy to find him. That was a human GPS thing. We both finally found each other. It's like you okay. with your necklace. I needed him. You that necklace really filled something for you. And that and and playing football and my father choking on his own blood 3000 miles away from me where I'm choking on something and didn't know why wow. I was choking also added to my understanding a lot of other coincidences. So I just kind of like playing football and other stuff. A lot of stuff were coincidences for me. And I say, there's something going on around here that they're not telling me as that's, that's what I got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I went to good schools. They didn't tell me something. So I said, okay, I'm curious. So I was trying to figure out what it was. And my life's purpose is to be able to increase uh, meaningful coincidence awareness uh, to 
as many people as I can without being able to say a number like a billion, but uh, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it out there. So I wonder, I kind of wandered into it because I was curious and wasn't told very much about how to think about things. Well, we just talked about four or five coincidences just for me, my necklace, my Bodhisattva artwork that I bought. Um, the fact that I know Yannick, right. The fact that Yannick brought me to you. And then, as you know, I have like a very large, 13-year coincidence trajectory, if you want me to share that. We talked about that. Well, let, let, what we can do with it is we kind of just, you kind of did what I hope we might do with that 13-year one, is that uh, you have gone, you, you have swung from vine to vine in the jungle of our lives, that of mm -hmm. your life. And that, I like to think of this going from one thing to the next. It was, for me, it was a jungle gym at, uh, at, in the, on the playground when you go from one thing to the next like yes. that that's yeah. where you just reach out and grab the next thing and reach out and grab the next thing and reach out and that, yeah, i've done that and you've done that and it's a form of coincidence series that we're talking about that lead you in various places so rather than going through that story you kind of did it in a way already one of the people you ran into uh is your soul sister uh, or your twin flame and right. the twin flame idea is is out there uh, a lot of people are experiencing it and talking about it and and it usually has a romantic uh, quality to it that there's uh we're meant to be together and we're supposed to be kind of boy and girl together but that's not all there is to that and there are other forms of, of of having twin flames could you tell us about you with your twin flame sure i'd love to and the you know the whole notion or the I'm going to say misconception is that the twin flame is romantic and you're supposed to be with them forever. Both of those things are commercialized misconceptions. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way I can put it. Right. I mean, and I have, as you know, I have a very, very deep spiritual path. And so I feel confident in talking about the idea of a twin flame from a place of understanding and knowledge. So it, it isn't necessarily about being romantic. It sounds like a very romantic phrase, right? Oh, I've met my soulmate. I've met my twin flame. You know, people want to romanticize that type of relationship. They want to feel that they've met their person that they're supposed to be with, you know, forever. Um, but those are, those romanticize the idea of that type of connection. The twin flame, um, you know, fire is is a very forceful element, right? The, the idea of the twin flame is that uh, it's almost a mirror. Um, and it's someone whose soul is, uh, is really very much a reflection of what your soul is. It's a twin. It's a twin, but it's a fiery twin. And so I met my twin flame, uh, and her name is Naya, Naya Purakos. So I, I met Naya, again, this is the series of coincidences, through a community that we are in called Cadre. Um, Yannick is also part of Cadre. And, um, and I joined Cadre. I met the founders of Cadre, Derek and Melanie Coburn, 12 years ago when they were first launching Cadre. And they asked me to be a founding member and be a board member and be involved with it. And I went on my instinct. I went on my intuition. It felt good. It felt right. It felt like it was supposed to be the path that I was supposed to go on. And so I said, yes. 
And, you know, fast forward 12 years later, this community is just a lifeline for me in so many ways. Melanie is one of my absolute dearest friends. Naya and I met through Cadre six years ago, seven years ago. She initially hired me as her business coach. That relationship um, was wonderful in that form, but it was clearly meant to be something much deeper and much more profound. And it, and it became very evident that our connection transcended just this lifetime. Like we clearly have been together in our soul community for many, many lifetimes. And just the way that we are with each other, um, full mirrors, there's no one in my life that has a bigger BS detector for me than Naya because she is me in a lot of ways. We truly are each other's mirrors. Plus, um, she's of uh, you know Greek lineage. I am of Jewish lineage. Our families are very similar in terms of the family dynamic and, and structure, the family constellation. Our mothers are very similar. Um, our life stories are very similar. She's the mother of three boys. I'm the mother of two boys. There are just a lot of parallels in our life and the way that we uh, look at life, but she, she's fully my twin mirror. Like there's, there's just no question. It just goes deeper than just a friendship or even a sisterhood. And so I met her through Cadre and I never would have met her if I hadn't gone to an event as someone's guest 12 years ago. And then Naya ended up taking me to a family event in New York this past summer. Um, and I was in New York for 24, 36 hours with her. And that led to a whole nother unfolding of a relationship that has since become very significant in my life, which I never would have encountered if I wasn't in New York with her. So it's just interesting the way all of the events have unfolded and transpired. But that relationship with my twin flame, you, you know, when you've met someone that they're not just a friend, they're they're not a romantic partner. There is something so much more deeper and so much more profound with the connection and that they see all of you inside and out because it is them. It is them in another form. And that's really what the twin flame is. I am you and you are me and we are we together. <laughs> we, yes, we've said that together. And I am, and you, you have. <laughs> I am me, you are you, we are we. I am you, you are me, we are we. <laughs> you, the two questions I have, um, uh, fiery, you said. Mm, it's a fiery relationship. I mean, it's it can be uncomfortable. Like, because you can't hide anything. Like, there's, you know, we, we feel each other's um, vibration and frequency all the time. All well, that, the time. That, sometimes that, sometimes we have to put some distance because sometimes I don't want to face myself. It's to me, it's like uh, it's two fire hydrants uh, having their water things opened up and they're shooting at each other. It, it's that that's the way I have experienced it, and, and I fear as as rushing water rather than fire was what the way I've done it uh, with somebody who I think is a twin flame of mine, and and it's, it was so intense that. It's it had to get had to get some distance to try to figure out how to like uh, manage it, 
it's I intense and people feel it i mean you know we have the we have the same community of friends and everything oh they can feel it around they can feel oh, there's it no question <laughs> there's no question people feel our connection now, that, no that, question. this energy frequency thing is so important yeah. i think okay, each, yeah. i think each of us has a, a signature energy uh, that it's like a fingerprint it's ours not that other people have something like it they can but sometimes you have someone who's very much the same as your energy frequency and that's what you just described completely it's, it's the same thing yeah it's the same. and i've had this idea this is a business maybe uh you could help us think about doing is rather than matching people on um, by questionnaires match them about <laughs> by energy frequency that'd be a great dating app <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> That's the idea. The yeah. uh, but it, there's a few little tricks you got to be able to do about that. But uh, you you caught where that comes from. Sure. Uh, and I, I don't know, maybe I've said that to you and that the business can arise out of it because it would be a great connector app. It wasn't be just dating. It would be uh, finding people who are like you. It's a kind of a tribal thing where you can get estimates of connections by the frequency similarities. So that's one thing, the intensity of it. You, know, you experience it as fire. I experience as water shooting out uh, from both of us. You also describe uh, discovering your shadow. I did. And uh, that means she may be around the same time was discovering her own, which is the same as yours or very similar. So could you talk about your own shadow, how you describe, how you found it with the shadow on the wall sure. and then how that also relates to your twin flame? Sure. Actually, we were together that night. Oh, you were. We were. <laughs> We what a surprise what is yeah surprise. it was just the two of us too we were at her house uh <laughs> and um and we did a journey so you know we um we did a, a little psilocybin journey uh, and it was just the two of us <laughs> and what did what was your intention in doing that together um what was our intention in doing it together we both enjoy it and we just wanted to create a container just for the two of us and see what happens. That's what's just that's to what experience that experience together, you know. Well, like, to, to me, if you wanted to see what was going to happen, too, you put the two of you together, just the two of you, and put a little psilocybin into the mix. And hey, what's going to happen? I mean, that that's part of the fun I like. It's like I don't know. A little and a little cacao because I'm I'm actually a trained cacao shaman, and that's a whole nother episode. Oh, Yannick got me on the cacao. I love that yeah. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we just had a little bit, um, but uh, we were, you know, I can remember that we were in the kitchen and uh, we had all the lights off and we just had candles. And I remember turning around and the candle had cast a huge shadow of me uh, on one of the walls. And I turned around and again, you know, this is, I guess, that synchronicity, right, where I was in the right place, in the right mindset, um, in the just the right environment, you know, with the shadow being cast on the wall, and I turned around and I said, "I was like, my shadow is here." And, Hi. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and she is beautiful. Like Ooh. she is beautiful. And I went over, and I, I mean, I was dancing with her for like an hour. I mean, we had music on, and I just was like, I want to connect with my shadow. I don't want to be afraid of my shadow. You cannot have light without the dark, right? Like we are both shadow and light. 
And so it was important to me to, she showed up for a reason. It was important for me to face her, to connect with her, and just to feel um, that I could embrace her in a very positive way. So often we are afraid of our shadow selves and our, the you know, the shadow side, right? The darkness of our personality. And there's really no reason to be afraid of it. Uh, it's it's part of what makes us all so beautiful. It's part of our soul. And so for me to be able to have that experience, to see my shadow personified uh, on that wall and to be able to connect with that shadow in that moment was um, a really sacred experience for me. And what was Naya doing during this time? I think, I'm not really sure. Maybe she was doing some mirror work or I really don't know, but I know that I was in the middle of, I was with my shadow at the moment. You were me and my shadow is this old song from the 40s and right. you and dancing down the avenue is one of the lines and that's what you were doing um and you had a good time but shadow tends to be talking about our like parts of ourselves we don't want to pay attention to that, that, those are the parts that that we can learn the most from agreed agreed so, that, so embracing, and I've done a lot of shadow work, you know, a lot of shadow study and a lot of shadow work. And my work with Marissa International really revolves around uh, a program that I'm launching called the Self-Worth Rebirth Program. And it, it gets back to dismantling those stories, those self-limiting beliefs, those ingrained patterns that hold us back. They're not really connected to who we are. It really gets into the shadow of ourselves so that we can uh, make peace and make friends with that part of ourself and remember who we are in our heart, in our essence. And so the fact that the shadow, you know, showed up for me, that my own shadow showed up, not only did it reinforce for me that this is the work I'm supposed to be doing in the world with helping people remember who they are and, and embrace and love all that they are, um, but it also helped me to do my own work around my shadow because we teach what we must master, but we cannot teach what we have not mastered or what we what we avoid. And so leaning into my own shadow work is really important so that I can be a facilitator and a guide for others who are going to journey down that path. I, I, I'm a psychotherapist and my problems often walk into my office. Uh, there and, you go. And there's mirrors uh, they mirror me and I mirror them that uh, right now I have three women uh, as as patients who I'm helping become more uh, assertive and yet even more aggressive. Uh, and it's really fun to watch one of them finally go get some boxing gloves and going into a thing where she's going to hit some stuff as well as do some exercises and watching the assertiveness come out of one who of a woman who's been suppressed for her uh, aggressiveness as a child and a, a teenager and that's coming out she likes to get into fights but she's been oh, i'm so sorry i you know i'm so sorry thing a lot of people do and this and third one i just told her about that and trying to help her with them and that's helping me with my own aggressiveness because i used to be too aggressive and i got got slept, mm. put down for that uh and and i was i was i would be a little hurtful and didn't know how to moderate it and so now as 
as the coincidence thing expands, I'm learning to be able to be more assertive myself and, and trust that feeling of being driven, but not having to slam the other person, which is what I had a tendency to do. And that's, that's why we're in this business to help our own self develop so we can help other people develop. Absolutely. And our greatest relation, our, our most difficult relationships are our greatest teachers. You know, whenever I have anyone in my life that is difficult to work with or, you know, um, has caused me pain in the past, I always approach those relationships from not only a place of understanding, which transcends forgiveness, understanding transcends forgiveness, um, but from a place that's of- That's good. That's good. That's, that's good. That's good. Understanding transcends forgiveness that's it does, really- but I, I also i also approach these relationships with tremendous compassion and gratitude right so that's really i mean i'm moving to that place where the reason i i endeavor to be at a place of understanding which is beyond forgiveness and i you know with my own spiritual work i'm i'm there um is because when you're still in a place of forgiveness you are still in that place where you feel that a transgression has happened, right? That someone has done something to you and you are forgiving them for that. That still keeps you in that victim mindset. And when you can move into the place of understanding and understanding number one, that everybody is doing their best in every moment and understanding that everything that is done uh, or every way that someone shows up and this gets to Don Miguel Ruiz and his four agreements that nothing is ever personal, that it's never about us, the way people show up in our life. When we can truly understand that, and that's work I've been doing Don Miguel Ruiz for the last 25 years, when we can really move to understanding that is the pinnacle of the human experience, I think, because nothing is ever personal ever even when it feels deeply painful in the moment it's not personal it's just everyone else on their own journey trying to figure it out and ram das is one of my most important spiritual teachers and in fact he that was another coincidence he visited me not in i mean not i'm not saying in a dream i mean like he literally visited me um a, a few weeks ago because i'm embodying a lot of his work um, but what he said, what he says is that we're all here just walking each other home. And so when we can get to that place of everyone in our life, looking at them, knowing that they are doing the best they can, that we can look at them from a place of compassion and that we can look at them from a place of true understanding of their human nature, that they are flawed and they are imperfect and they are humaning the best that they can. It takes so much of our own suffering away. I'm suffering with what's going on in American politics and what's going on in Ukraine, but also in Africa mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in Burma, uh, other places in the world that uh, lots of suppression and uh, mm -hmm. totalitarian tendencies happening around the world. How do you uh, how do you address that? Uh, to me, it's a sh it's the shadow of the collective human organism. Mm. So I just finished listening to a 14-hour channeled text. A channeled text is where the voices of non-physical entities, non-physical beings, meta metaphysical beings are being channeled through an individual. 
And I just finished listening to a 14 hour channel text. It actually took me 30 hours to get through. Um, and it was all about the book of love and creation. And they talked about that, you know, like how do you accept the fact that there's so much pain in the world? And Ram Das has the most beautiful six minute clip called Quiet Mind, Open Heart on his Gaia series on the Gaia Network. It's called Quiet Mind, Open Heart. And that that's the opportunity that when you can move through the world with an open heart alongside of the suffering, when you can be in the suffering and still keep your heart open, that is the opportunity. You know, the Dalai Lama sits for hours in meditation in a place of compassion. The flip side of that compassion is deep pain. So when we can be in a place of full compassion and an open heart in the midst of suffering, that's truly the ultimate spiritual nature that we can work to attain. There is light and dark in every moment one of the lessons that Ram Das shares in that video that I mentioned, and I'll send you the link so you can send it to your listeners, is that in every moment, there is deep, deep joy and deep, deep sadness. In every moment, in this moment right now, Bernie, there are people dying and people suffering, and there is birth happening as well. In every moment of our lifetime, there is deep sadness and deep joy. And when we can understand that, and we understand that that's the balance of the world, it helps us to accept the pain a little bit more. I, like a lot of people, see uh, the collective human organism as destroying uh, Gaia, destroying our habitat, at least the mm -hmm. habitat that we have. Gaia is going to live past us. Uh, what? How do you... Um, view this uh, destruction of our nest uh, and and how does that relate to your work? Oh gosh, this is like a whole nother episode. Um, so I feel very deeply connected to Gaia, um, to our earth and to our planet. And by the way, when you think of earth and you think of planet, they're actually two different definitions. Our earth vibrates at a specific frequency. It's the frequency of 432 Hertz. It is a living, breathing organism. When you think of planetary frequency, that encompasses the frequency of the people and who are inhabiting the earth. So I wanted just to identify and define that for your listeners. There's something called a Gaia principle. And that is where basically Gaia, the earth is going to be here long after we're here. It just is. Gaia is going to do whatever she needs to do to remain intact. And so you look at global warming, you know, you look at the fires, you look at the hurricanes, you look at everything that's happening. It's all Gaia responding from a place of defense. She's going to do what she needs to do to stay intact. And there was a congressman a few weeks ago who was so disrespectful to a woman who was testifying about global warming. And he said, he said, we have dominion over the earth. That is incorrect. We do not have dominion over the earth. We are visitors here. We need to show Gaia and the planet a lot more reverence, a lot more respect, and a lot more gratitude that we are here. 
we are suffering from global warming because of the harm we have imposed on Gaia. And she will exist long after we're gone. So what do we do about it? Raise consciousness. Have these types of conversations. This is what we do about it. Well, one of the Not things that going you, to stop it until we raise consciousness. One of the things you face and I face is people who have fixed beliefs about the way things are, like the congressman you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you get to a person like that, or don't you, with his fixed belief that so many people have that. I am the king. I am all that is here that is the most important thing and the earth is for me to exploit. We're not going to be able to change everybody, um, but these conversations right here are a gateway to the change and to um, a path to higher consciousness. That's that's we're not going to be able to change everyone. Now, the good news is that the generations, the younger generations, right, the college students uh, that are coming up, they have a lot more reverence and respect and appreciation for our planet. And I feel really optimistic about our about the human race and about the state of our planet, um, that fact that it's in the hands of the younger generations. I, I, you know, they, they're the most globally conscious generation that, that has walked the planet. So they are, you know, they're interested in ocean conservation and water conservation and energy conservation. And they are more tied to Gaia and to the planet than any other generation we've ever had ever. So I feel that with the, with the, elevation of consciousness, the fact that we're having these types of discussions uh, with um, the way that the younger generations appreciate and see our planet and our environment, I feel hopeful. The younger generation had better pay attention to what you're saying they're paying attention to because they're going to be facing uh, a lot of devastation if something doesn't change in humanity's relationship to Gaia. They know that. They know that. And they know fact, that. And in, they know yeah. that. Yeah. And in fact, yesterday I just read an article. I think it was in The Guardian or The Economist. I can't remember which publication, but they said that the next pandemic, the next global pandemic that could potentially wipe out a huge part of humanity is going to come from global warming because glaciers are melting and there are viruses within those glaciers that are 15,000 years old. I I just read this and I'll send you this article as well to post. They're 15,000 years old. And as the glaciers melt, the viruses become reactivated. And this happened in a country with an anthrax breakout uh, outbreak like, like six years ago. And, and, the human beings that were affected by this anthrax caught it from deer carcasses and they caught it from the runoff of a melting glacier. So as we continue to destroy the world and climate change and global warming continues to melt our glaciers at a ridiculously fast pace, we're going to be faced with viruses and bacteria that haven't existed in eons 
and we're not going to be equipped to manage it. And we're that's not, all because of global warming. Yeah, I'm glad you call it global warming rather than climate change. It's just it's just more accurate. And mm-hmm. what I what I I hear yet from you yet another uh, thing to be afraid of for humanity. I mean, there's plenty of things. And what my part in this. And I'm asking you your part in this is to help people become aware of right. meaningful coincidences so they that can help them recognize that their belief systems are re- too restricted and they have to get into a, a yet a higher consciousness to look down the way some of the younger people are, but yet further to be able to see what's going on in the whole place collectively to be able to maybe do something about what we're facing. That, right. and, that's what coincidences are standard ideas in a, in regular reality that can be able to that everybody experiences in some form or another that make you wonder what else is going on around here and that's yeah. part of my job yeah it's raising the awareness and recognizing that everything that we do counts like everything that we do on an individual level counts it can't just be about ourselves. It's got to be about a collective effort and a collective consciousness. Everything that we do counts. I, I agree. And that's where, to me, coming back to your six P's in your Lotus, mm-hmm. uh, where I'm focusing on purpose and fun is so uh, play is such an important part of it, that finding your own purpose, what you can do individually to help by yourself do, but also right. how you can do do things that are helpful to others and right. find those other people who are similarly working in the same way you are, much like uh, an organ in a human body finds uh, liver cells that are like other liver cells doing something like the same thing to recognize that we are part of a collective human organism that needs each of us to play a part in our own cellular ability while being part of the collective and contributing to the whole thing's better functioning. Absolutely. It gets back to what Gandhi says, that we must be the change we wish to see in the world. If we don't want to be victims of global warming, if we don't want the increased fires, if we don't want the increased hurricanes and the tsunamis and the earthquakes, what are we doing on an individual level to protect this earth? What are we doing? And that helps. That goes back to your lotus. This, what is your purpose here? It's not. It's yes. It's important to be able to conserve things in your own home and recycle, uh, and watch how much energy you're expending. Those are very important. But even more important is what your purpose is on this planet, right? How you can contribute to the collective human organisms better functioning on Gaia. Correct. Correct. Well, that's why I'm so interested in how you find help people find purpose because it's so important to help people find. And I, I, I hope perhaps as I'm learning from you, and please do send me those links, particularly the, the Ram Dass one, yeah, I will. that what, I, what I'm hoping that maybe you are hearing a little bit from me is that by becoming tuned into uh, meaningful coincidences, you help find your purpose and help find your connections to others so that we can function in a more harmonious way to stop destroying our, our nest. Correct. 
correct. Yeah. Well, we've come to the end of our, our time here. And, you know, one question that I've kind of been hesitating to ask you, but I'm going to do it right here at the, at the end, because it's, it's so much, so valuable to talk about relationships uh, in the, in the relationship. So you're empathic. What are you picking up from me as your, as with your empathic capacity about me? Um, a desire to connect with others, a desire to teach, a just a, and a desire to learn. I mean, I think you've got a beautiful soul. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I'm really glad to have made my soul contact with you. Uh, sure. I, th I think I might walk away with the, the six uh, petaled lo lotus uh, and your six peas as a kind of a thing that's stuck in my head. Uh, and I love the ocean. I'm a Pisces. And I don't know if you notice my logo here was, uh, it was like two C's. It looks like uh, yeah. back with, and they're linked and it's not on a blue background. So it's this, it's two C's. Yeah. And it's also the C and it's also the blue background. And it's also, that. and it's also a Pisces symbol, which I didn't really re recognize that I was putting together. That's great. Connecting with coincidence is where yeah. it came from. So I'm a I'm an ocean goer uh, already, and also and excellent. I'm just delighted that we have had this opportunity to meet, and I, I thank Yannick for uh, putting us together. So most definitely. Thank you, thank you very much for for being with me today. And my pleasure. Thank you for doing the work that you do. You're welcome. Thank you too. <laughs> Psychosphere is a mental atmosphere like a hologram of cosmic consciousness.